a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the RacerX Online podcast, Hangtown Review. The outdoors are here. They are among us now. 12 rounds of Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Series. So we are going to wrap up Hangtown and uh, talk to you a little bit about that. RacerXOnline.com forward slash subscribe to the latest issue. This podcast and all of these podcasts weekly on RacerX Online brought to you by Fox Racing, foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized dealer to get Fox. If they don't have Fox, go somewhere else. Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, Jesse Wentland, just some of the riders wearing Fox. Of course, LE stuff out now. Flex Air available for, for the summer months coming up here. And uh, Fox Racing, global innovation leader in motocross racewear. Please visit them. Mountain bike stuff, too. All right. Um, like I said, this is the Hangtown Review. Lots to talk about. Lots to squeeze in. First up, uh, my boss at RaceRex Online, and uh, the reason that the voice of the, the the reason that you enjoy the American Motocross Series because he is the voice of it, Jason Wygant. What's up, Weege? Yeah. the The first weekend in the truck with the mic. Uh, how'd it go? Oh man, we're awesome. I mean, we're great. <laughs> so even there's no reason to doubt it. Or? Well, it's been a long time, so you know. I mean, just a A level right from the start, man. You had no yeah, issues. Nothing. Great. Nothing went wrong. No problems. Everything was good. Uh, the only regret I have is that we could not actually watch uh, the pre-show as was happening, the newfangled pre-show. Um, so we'll have to ask somebody else about how that went. But uh, other end, our end was uh, was good. Man, GL was in good form. Didn't even get that crazy. Yeah. For better or for worse. <laughs> uh, the other GL was ready in the pits, and uh, it's the most fun job you could possibly have. Uh, anywhere on earth. If I won the lottery, I'd be in big trouble because I'd still want to go to these races and do this. My wife would not be happy about that, but I would like to do this even for free. Don't N- tell anybody. Nice job squeezing in the Willy Wonka. Nice job. That was good. Yeah, that was my plan all along. I'm some sort of something about people coming up with stuff for round one. Yeah. Uh, also on the line, he's uh, Fly Racing. WPS, Western Power Sports, which are presenting sponsor of the Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Net Championships. He's also doing the pre-show at Hangtown, uh, selling fly raceway across the world. Jason Thomas, what's up, JT? Not too much. Just uh, back and finally got some sleep after a long Hangtown weekend. But, yeah, it was, I thought oh, it was pretty awesome. Really would have liked to do this pod yesterday, just for the record. Really would have liked to. Well, sorry. Um, uh, some of us have other things to do. JT, uh, Weech has his new phone finally hooked up that we bought a moser and i bought him we were tired of yeah. it and it does sound good yeah. like looking at the waves on the uh, audio recording program it's improved so we're we're in we're in business all right i didn't really tell that you can tell that on your phone yeah i have the same settings that i normally do and we just normally kind of quiet not as sharp as the other guys even though i put them on the other hybrid you you two are on 
different hybrids, uh, digital hybrids to improve this quality of sound. And I can tell Weege's phone is better just from the, the waves that he is making. As you said before, man, it's really all about the setup. It's all about the setup. Ah, you know me. Setup. The result. Setup. Yeah. Um, yep. I didn't uh, have the right equipment. I can only do so much. I need the right equipment. Right, right. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, Hangtown. Well, first up, Weege, the new magazine with Marty Davalos just hit the uh, – Hit everybody's newsstands with the Stroop story in it, and um, and and other things. And we just really want you people to subscribe to the magazine. Just go ahead. We won't do these pods anymore if you do not subscribe. Forward slash subscribe. It's cheap as balls, and uh, it's a uh, content. It's not race results, people. It's it's actual real live content. Uh, no, Marty Davalos. Okay, I'm going to straighten this out. The Marty Davalos cover issue is uh, is has been put to bed. We've moved on. The latest issue has Ryan Dungey on the cover. Uh, and this is the one that contains the Austin Stroop story, Jeff Emick, <laughs> 1997, uh, Memories. Okay. Uh, my Jimmy Johnson and Justin Brayton story, which is uh, phenomenal. It's almost as good as the TV announcing this weekend. Just really hitting on all angles. Uh, and many other great things. And we're working on a 50 years of motocross in America issue, which we'll probably finish this week. And you'll probably see a couple weeks from now. So subscribe now and you won't miss that one. So it would help if I got my, my magazine straight. Basically, the it's hard. It's hard though. It's hard. It's the, so the, the Fro story. So the Fro story is great. It's really fantastic. Eric Johnson wrote it. Went through Fro's '97 Supercross season, and 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 has got a great memory. So check that out. And your Jimmy Johnson Brayton story. I can just imagine how hard it was to do that with a constant boner the whole time. Like I don't know how you got through it. Well, uh, people were asking, like, why didn't you, if they were mountain biking, why didn't you, you know, strap on the the, uh, the kit, bring your mountain bike out and go ride with them? But I could not wear spandex pants. No, there's no chance. Brayton, no. NASCAR, Jimmy Johnson, too much for you. Just <laughs> overload. And I even started asking, I started asking Jimmy Johnson about the old Mickey Thompson off-road series, yep. which I was arguably more into than Supercross when I was a kid. <laughs> and then it was on. I had to be alone for a little while. I didn't know he did that. He did some of that? It's so funny. He says he wishes he was in the book Outliers because he had no interest in NASCAR whatsoever. And all the stuff he wanted to do was just going out of business at just the right time for him to be forced to NASCAR. And now he's a bazillionaire. <laughs> exactly. He started out Mickey Thompson. He was headed to the top. That went out of business. Chevy moved him into IndyCar. Chevy said, we're pulling out of IndyCar. You're going to have to drive NASCAR. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And now look at it. Yeah. Nice career <laughs> choice for, for Jimmy Johnson. Um, yeah. Yeah, interesting story. So please, people, check it out. So, um, all right, let's talk some Hangtown. The, the opener. Well, actually, uh, let's talk a little bit of the pre-show first. JT, um, I don't know what exactly you did. I saw some photos with orange gloves and a girl that looked like Georgia Lindsay. My wife swore it was Georgia Lindsay, and I'm like, that's not Georgia. She actually had to pull up the photo again to verify that. And um, how was it? How was the pre-show? And, and who's this girl? I thought it was good. I, I was really, uh, I was happy with how it went. You know, there was a lot of planning and, uh, man, we, we did a lot of prep behind the scenes for this thing where last year I kind of jumped in with Jimmy for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever with zero prep. <laughs> I mean, what, less than zero prep. So I thought it went, came off really well. I think everybody that worked on it, uh, from the Boombox group to, you know, NBC, uh, sports guys, um, everybody worked really hard to make a quality level production. I think it came off just like that. So I was, I was happy. It's, uh, it's on the internet only. And can you go back and watch the archive of it? Yeah, I'm trying to uh, get all that data so I can 
tweet it out there because people keep asking me to watch the whole clip. So I'm okay. trying to get that info right now as we speak. Actually. And who, who's this girl that my wife swore was Georgia? So her name is Jenna Corrado. Okay. Uh, she works for NBC Sports. And uh, she, her background is, and she does Tour de France, uh, and she's definitely, cycling is, is her comfort zone. So uh, she had never been to a motocross race. She did, well, she went to New York Supercross, uh, MetLife, but she never had any insight into moto whatsoever. So she worked really hard to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. obviously she wasn't going to be an expert in three weeks, but um, just to have some working knowledge and speak somewhat intelligently on the sport and in a couple weeks is really tough. So I, you know, my, my thought was, Hey, just lean on me for anything like that. You know, you carry us through the the segments and get it, get us in and out when we need to be. And then content wise, just, you know, ask me anything that's relevant and we'll get through this thing. And, uh, I, I thought it went about as smoothly as it could. What about the orange gloves? That seems to be a hit on Twitter. That was a big hit on Twitter. We, I'm yeah, sure you, I'm sure and you really saw the gloves were just because I was freezing. It was really it cold, was cold on Friday. What are you, you going to jump in there? You're going to say something? It was, just, it was cold. It was legitimately cold on Saturday, too. Yes. Yeah, I was I was cold. That was where the whole glove thing started. And then I had the idea, well, if I'm going to wear gloves, I might as well wear something that people can see. And, it, you know, it's still a fly product, so why not? So I picked the brightest ones we had. And yeah, you did. obviously people made a big deal about it, but I, I thought it was awesome. Why not? I'm, I'm there to promote products, and that's why I'm on that stage. So, yeah, I, I and, you know, it was an intentional move on my part that kind of started from something innocent. Um, yeah, so you had fun doing it? I did. I, I had a blast. Um they wanted me to do Glen Helen this weekend, and I have uh, I have plans for Memorial Day weekend, and so it it made sense. Um, they asked me if I had a, a person that would be perfect for it, and we tossed some names around, and your name was in there, and I was like, well, if, if Steve's you know eligible for this thing, then that's my pick all day long. So uh, you know, tried to sort that out with you guys, and you got the guys got that dialed. So I'm excited. Well, I think you're gonna have a great time too. Is it that, is that every round, or what's the deal with this? Is it just a, so we're, a... yeah, we're doing the first two. Uh, well, I'm not anymore, yeah, but, but yeah. uh, they're, yeah, the, huh. they will have the starting gate show at the first two rounds and it's TBA past that they're looking for, you know, they need funding they need and money sponsorship right, and all yeah. that. So um, yeah, if, if, uh, you know, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to put a really, really good show out there and, and something to present to sponsorship and, you know, see where that goes. Yeah. Davey Coombs, we always, we did the Racer X show, Weege, and Davey was always like, I want a game day feel. I want to, I want to analysts and hosts and you know i want that kind of feel and, and there is room for that there really is i mean whether it makes a real tv or not it's on the internet and and you know every other sport's got these experts and analysts and everything else before and after the races like there's totally room for this this, this podcast is hugely successful um that we review the races at people love it and there's there's people out there that will do that, you know, that will sit in front of a computer an hour before the motos to do it. I think it's a great idea. The only reason I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner. It's been tried in many, many forms. Like Just like JT said, it, it did exist even last year with Jimmy and Georgia, uh, the Albertson show. Um, yeah, it's, it's just finding the right formula and a sponsor, so why not pulp? Why not? Step up. Yeah. yeah let me get, the let me, show, and then you can pay yourself. Let me, host it every week. Let, me, uh, let me get right on that. Um, well, first of all, yeah. JT, the guys that produce this, they're from Canada. Like, Yeah, the Boombox. Boombox yeah. is their yeah, production like, company. They, yeah. they know me. as, as They know they of do. me anyways, you know, because I'm Canadian. So, like, They're big Pulp fans, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. no brainer, right? They're a little yeah, warm. I, I, they're, and they're, really, we've talked about this, and we've joked about it more than anything, but... 
I, I didn't think that you would be allowed to do it. I really didn't. Um, I know. I like how people think, like, I'm going to be wheeled out in some Hannibal Lecter mask, you know, and, 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 <laughs> well, and now, a stretcher. Like, I announced. And you know. I know. You know better than anyone. Like, you are, you know, Pulp gives you a platform where you can speak your mind. You know, you don't have anyone saying, like, hey, you need to, you need to water this down. Uh, so I think they were just a bit concerned and probably still are on some level of, you know, what exactly you're going to say. And, you know, this is for, you know, it's it's NBC. So it's uh, the platform is much bigger. And then that, you know, that carries some some consequences for saying things that gonna, are going to upset people. So I, I think once we cross that, you know, and, and they let me know that, yeah, you were you were eligible for this thing. I was all in. I, I think you're the, the easy choice for it after that. I'm not some animal. I mean, the guy told me, hey, we want 75% pulp. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. Um, you know, and, and like I announced all the sec, I announced the, whole, the second motos up there with Lurch and Greg White. And again, like I have strong feelings on Marty, you know, and, and sort of his, his skill level and his, well, not his skill level, but Marty, you know, being a factory rider. When he rode off the track, after crashing, it's not like I started yelling into the mic, see you later, Marty, bye-bye. You know, like, <laughs> right. gonna, gonna, and I, I told them that, too. I'm like, hey, that. he understands. Like, <laughs> he's making a show. You know, Pulp is, that's his, his yeah. truest sense of what he thinks. You know, there. it's not like he can't understand the fact that, you know, this is an NBC know, production and, and it's a different a deal. So, yeah. Later, loser. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm, like, I'm announcing. Like, it's, it's like, you know, yeah, you can't. God, these guys, it's funny. But anyways, yeah, well, check it out, everybody. It's uh, J- JT. He'll tweet out the link, and uh, I got to watch it, too, I guess, a little bit and see how it was and see how it went. So good good job by folks at NBC and the Boombox dudes for making something like this happen, and I think there's there's room for it, and I think people dig it, you know? Like I yeah. said, this Weed, po- did, you get any, did you get any feedback about the show, or did you hear anything good, bad, and different? No, no, I actually didn't. The only thing I can say is that that boombox crew seemed a whole lot less stressed than uh, poor Matt Wozni and everyone else who's tried to pull this off before. Um, <laughs> I've seen people nearly suicidal trying to pull this thing off, and they seemed like they were in control. So that's all I got. They're Canadians, bro. They got this. The one guy's from Winnipeg. I mean, it doesn't get any more, you know. I've worked with that guy before. I did some Red Bull events with him, and I'm not kidding. He always told me his goal was to do some sort of motocross production and to meet you. More than anyone else. More than Ryan Dungey, Ken Rock, James Stewart, Eli Tomek. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. I like to hear that kind of stuff. I'm already one step ahead of this production. I got my, uh, I tweeted out my, I tweeted out my wardrobe for this weekend earlier this morning. So I'm all set for that. I got a shirt that says Boob Inspector on the front. So, um, all right, Hangtown, uh, let's get talking about it. Um, Weege, I'll start with you. The fact that Roxon and Savachi won. Not a big surprise. Uh, we, you could see both dudes winning it, but both guys were pretty dominant in going 1-1. Which guy was more impressive, more surprising to you in their 1-1 wins? Uh, I think riding-wise, um, Roxon, the, the way he ate those guys up, I mean, he didn't even start well. I think I'm going to ask Roxon this this weekend. I think he's almost come up with a new thing. Like, I'm just not going to get a whole shot, so I'm just going to have to figure out how to go nuts on the first lap which is what he did at the Supercrosses that he won late in the year. You know, start six, then pass five guys in three turns. And that's what he did in both motos here. Uh, so I think that was just more impressive. And, you know, it, it's always one notch ahead when you're doing it against Ryan Dungey and the, and the rest. Um, yeah. Savachi's ride was good. and I don't think anyone 
Will this Savace anyone's title pick? I don't think so, but we all know he's good. He did just win the shootout two weeks ago. We know he's a great rider. Um, but I think on the Savace end, I think what was just as surprising to me, you kept waiting for the J-Mart yeah. charge. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, J-Mart won Hangtown the last two years, and two years ago was an unbelievable dominant performance. So the fact that J-Mart was you know, not even second, uh, that – makes it even harder to gauge. Like, with Savage and everybody that much better, or with J-Mart off, and that makes it a little harder for me to figure out. What do you Boston think? one straight up, there's no doubt about it. What do you think, JT? Yeah. Which guy's which guy's 1-1 one, one rod was uh, more impressive to you? More impressive, I would say Roxon, just because of the competition he goes up against. But more surprising was certainly uh, Savachi. I, I I knew he'd be good. I, I had him on my podium, but I didn't think he'd go out and, and go 1-1 one, one fairly easily. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. See, yeah, remember he never even won a moto before in his in his career, and to go one one right. in the opener, that was impressive. Yeah. His his two two was the only one he's ever had. So um, that was like championship level. That was what I, honestly that was the ride I expected to see from J Mart. That's what I thought we would see, and it was kind of uh, someone else stole that. Roxon was balls out those opening laps. Like I gotta yep. go later. See ya. So fast, so fast, especially in the first moto. Like, oh, my God, he just was not going to give Dunge any kind of hope. Like, if you really look at the gap, once it got to four or five seconds, Dungey matched him. And in some cases, Dungey was faster. I think Dungey had a faster lap in the second moto than Kenny. Uh, it was close, but it was it was a little faster. And and so Kenny kind of maintained after that. It was those opening laps that Roxon was just laying it down. Great ride. Wasn't that wasn't wasn't that kind of a page out of the Ryan Villapoto script? You know, that's what he used to do to Dungey. That that's when I was watching it, that's what I always saw Ryan Villapoto do. Um, you know, and it was surprising to me because I think in the last year we've seen Ryan Dungey able to kind of stop that. You know, if someone's trying to do that to him, he, he Ryan Dungey's almost become the aggressor. And at, just watching I'm like, man, that's that was Villapoto Esque again, where he just so good in the beginning, so aggressive, gets his gap, and then he just manages Dungey from there. So uh, it was just interesting. It was interesting to see those two, you know, not only racing each other physically, but the mental game in the early laps too. Yeah, no second moto. Um, Kenny d- dove to the inside. It was a great pass, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting for Dunge to, uh, you know, because Dunge knows. I mean, he knows what he knows what uh, what uh, Roxon's going to do. You know, he's going to try to sprint away from me right here. He got by me, and he right. had no answer. So I thought that was really, yeah. like you said, the mental game of, like, I know what you're going to do, and I know what you're going to, I know what you're going to try. Now I have to break you, and he couldn't. But, I mean, right. Weege, no one's worried. I talked to Roger after the race, and I didn't talk to Dunge, but he's never won Hangtown overall, and uh, I don't think anybody's worried. No, I mean, they, I think everybody knew Roxon was going to be good this year, so it's not like, where did this come from? To be honest... After what happened last year with Tomac, uh, I don't think you can have your wig blown back by, by almost anything. And I think the Dungey was way better than he was last year, way closer than he was to where he was at Tomac last mm-hmm. year. For whatever reason, that's not his best track, and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I don't think they're worried. Obviously, it would have been great to win, but they knew all along, I'm sure, Roxanne was going to be tough. So they just they just continued to know it. I don't think it shocked them. Did either of you guys talk to Kenny like uh, after the race, um, away from the press conference? Did you guys go chat with him? Yeah. Nope. Um, I didn't. And JT, you didn't either, I'm sure. Um, no, yeah, he uh, is very happy. He was very, very happy. <laughs> like, like um, 
I, just, I don't know. You know, I mean, obviously, look, he went 1-1. He, he won and everything else, so you know that he's going to be happy. But, like, I, I almost got a little sense of, uh, yeah, take that, everyone. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to say cockiness because all these guys kind of have it, but, I, I mean, I don't know. Was it Red Bud, was it Red Bud 2014 level? <sighs> almost. Yeah, almost, you know. All right. All right. Yeah, like, I, like, he was like, yeah, like, that's what I'm going to do. That's what's going to happen. Get ready for this. So... We'll see. Well, you know, it's yeah. funny looking at Dungy. I and to we just went. I don't think anybody should be worried. Uh, I'm actually writing about this today, but from 2011 on, you know, his 2011 through 2016, he went one two three two 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 two, and most of those years, it's it's turned out okay for him. So uh, I I really don't think it's anything to panic mm-hmm. about. Um, I think we'll learn more from Glen Helen than we did from Hangtown. Yeah, uh, Eli Tomac, uh, he got third overall, which isn't a surprise. We all figured he would get third, right? Or, you know, or finish in the top three overall. But uh, Weegee got passed by Baggett late in the first moto, and which was a surprise. And then he couldn't catch Anderson in the second moto. So, yeah, he got third overall with a 4-4. But I don't think you're that, you're that stoked right now if you're Cowie and Eli. No, he didn't seem super stoked even uh, when the little you could even take out of his TV interviews on the podium. Like, I think Dungey was okay, even though he didn't win. But I think you could tell that Tomac was a little more disappointed. This is what I was worried about, though. I mean, he just set such a a ridiculously impossible standard last year um, that now what's not bad at all, not a horrible way to start the season at all. I mean, the opener is always a little weird. You get solid third-place points. Almost anybody would take that. But... On the outside, I'm sure people are like, what happened? He won by a minute and a half last year. I mean, the track, which I'm sure we'll get to here, it was not even close to the way the track was last year. In the end, it was good. But, man, he's just always going to carry the ghost of that Hangtown 2015, like, for the rest of his life. Um, And if that's a standard that you want to either, A, hold yourself up to or hold him up to, it's going to be tough because that was ridiculous. I actually wasn't planning on talking about the track, but we can. Uh, It was... Unlike a lot of Hangtowns in the past, it was they don't have those uh, rice hulls into the track. They wanted to make it not as soft, not as sandy as it was in the past. And then on top of that, everyone thought the no, rain was true. What? That's not true. Oh. They put sand on the track instead of rice hulls because they figured the sand would do a better job, actually, of softening it than the rice hulls. That's oh. how they did that. Okay. Yeah, the see. rice hulls are bigger, and they feel like they get slung off the track where the sand is smaller, so it kind of like works its way in. So that was the plan there. Okay. Um, they also thought it was going to rain, which it did uh, for pretty good for about 10 minutes there in the first 250 moto. Um, and so that I, don't, I don't think it's ripped up and, and worked as much as it normally was. It was a harder-packed hangtown than we've seen. Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering, and I'll ask you, JT, you know, uh, guys like J-Mart and uh, Tomac, for example, when I realized the track wasn't going to be as rough as usual, and this is not the – they make smooth tracks. This is what MX Sports does, or NBC asks for a smooth track. This is a weather-related thing. I mean, it's the same exact people that made an ultra-rough track last year. Uh, but anyway, I'm just wondering, JT, do you think that had any effect on, like, would Tomac have been able to do what he did last year if the track was like this? Does that separate certain people or help certain people? You know what? I didn't I didn't really think Tomac's performance was, was so much about the track. Because yeah. when, you know, his, sec- his second moto, when he, you know, really just demolished everyone, the track was completely blown out by that point. It was dry. It was dusty. It was hard packed. You know, all the, the rice holes had been 
blown off, just as you said. So I think we, they were down to kind of the base by that point anyway. And I remember standing out on the track and thinking how hard and dry and dusty it was. Uh, I think Tomac's performance was just he just didn't have the same form and same aggression and, and didn't look as comfortable on the motorcycle as he did last year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, nobody was really pumped on the track. I don't know what, what, no, what feedback you guys was got. On, I think on record with you saying it was the worst Hangtown yeah. he can remember racing on. And they just thought the rain was coming and they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. To, I, I mean, yeah. I know there was a reason yeah. behind it, but. Yeah, so it was different. Yeah, they, if they think it's the worst Hangtown, they should go back when I started going in the mid-90s. <laughs> yeah. That was a terrible Yeah, it track. wasn't good. That I remember one. 1998, and it was literally, it was softer than the road we drove in on. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyways. Um, yeah, I saw Doug Gubach walking around. I just watched old Hangtown videos a couple days earlier, and he got third in a moto there in 90. 90. And I saw him walking around. I'm like, hey, dude, podium guy. 1990. He's like, yeah, but this place used to be so hard packed. It was like riding Carlsbad or riding the tracks I grew up on. And I'm like, wow, it's changed so much. But it actually was, you know, not that level, but swaying back a little bit. It's weird. I think everyone always thinks old school means rougher, always. But uh, in the case of Hangtown, the deep, rough soil and all that is actually a newer thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's, uh, it's come a long way. There's probably no track that's changed as much, in my eyes anyways, as Hangtown over the years. Um, so Tomac, yeah, Tomac's got some work to do. Probably not so stoked. Uh, but Blake Baggett, um, now he broke his collarbone in the second moto with a pretty good fall. We, he's hoping to be back next weekend? Uh, I think Thunder Valley is going to be more realistic. Yeah. But there's yeah. a chance. Yeah, yeah. they didn't get it plated. It was. Uh, it seems like Baggett's camp is pumped on it, but I think Mike Webb is pretty much saying out of principle, <laughs> we just shouldn't do it, no matter yeah. how good it's feeling or no matter how the surgery goes. Well, he was good. He was really good. Yeah. Um, and if he hadn't fallen, when he fell, he was in fifth, I think. He would have went 3-5 or 3-6. So he still probably would have got uh, fourth overall had he, or had he not fallen in the second moto. Uh, he was good. But I think more, JT, that was more of because it was Hangtown. Baggett's good anyways, but that was a little more because it was Hangtown. We'll see. I, I Well, I guess we won't maybe yeah. with this injury, but <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I, th- I thought he was going to be good here, especially in the early rounds. I think when Helen, he's, he's, you know, he grew up in, uh, what is it, Grand Terrace there? Uh, which is just, for those of you who don't know, is basically just down the 215 from, from Glen Helen. So I think he would have been good next weekend too. Um, but, man, his fitness and he he took everything that Eli Tomac threw at him in that first moto and then just basically gave it right back to him, passed him you know, with a lap and a half to go. I, I was really, really impressed with his first moto performance um, and kind of the opposite with Tomac. I I think Tomac almost looked tired where Baggett looked like, you know, Chupacabra-ish from, you know, 2012. Yeah. It should be interesting to see. Um, he, won't take, he won't really miss much off his game from missing a week or two with the plate, you know, collarbone. No, it'll be, if, yeah. if it's only a week or two, he'll be fine. Yeah. It's just how can he ride? Is it going to be too painful? Is he going to have, you know, full mobility, all that stuff? Yeah. But the, the week off, or, that's nothing. Like, your, your body won't even, you won't even suffer any from that. Um, uh, it'll just be strength and all that. The the question I have for you is, what was going on with Tomac out there? What what's I don't what's know the answer. I don't know. He said a bike well, setup. I, I, what's bike setup, bro? Like, bike setup. That's what he said. Wasn't pumped mm-hmm. on uh, his his forks and shocks uh, either moto. They made some changes, but it yeah. didn't work out so well. So did he look tired to you in the first moto? The end? Um, a little bit, yeah, but um, he had a lot of work to do. 
Here's the thing about the race, and I think this goes to the 250 class too. For example, Savacci had the eighth fastest lap in the second moto, and he won. So he's in good shape. It was the way the track was, it was hard to make up time. It was not, it was fairly smooth. That, that's national, saying that for a national. So I don't know. I think he had a lot of work to do in that first moto, right? But and, so did Baggett, right? Uh, did Baggett he? followed him the whole way. Did he? I thought he was more up there. Yeah. Because he, no, he got was, Baggett at some point. Yeah, he passed Baggett, and then Baggett just latched onto him, mm. and they went to the front. While they were back there a little bit. Um, right, right. Yeah, it... Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to say that Tomac's fitness would be an issue. You know what I mean? Or is, I just think I, the track look, was. That's what I saw. I just he looked tired to me when Baggett passed him. There was still a lap and a half to go, and I'm like, oh man, Tomac's not going to like that. And yeah. I was just like, yeah, yeah. No, no, no he's really not going to do anything about it because I don't think he could. I think he, he yeah, was. Yeah. No, I'm with I, you and on I, that. that could be from bike setup too. You know, fighting the bike if you're not happy with it, if it's not working right, it's going to wear you out. Yeah. I just didn't. It caught me off guard, and that's the only real thing I'm trying to bring up is I really didn't expect to see that. Yeah, I expected Baggett when he passed Tomac. Tomac was probably surprised, and I expected Bag- Tomac to be just a massive fury of a bee's nest coming back at Baggett to be like, yep. yeah, screw you, you know? Right. Um, right. And he really the only answer for why you we wouldn't see that is he didn't have any energy left, you know? Yeah. That's the only reason I could point to. Sealy rode well, third in the first moto until late, and then he got sucked up by that Baggett. Tomac train, and then second moto, he was way back, came to 10th. Uh, Anderson, 6-3 on the day, so a nice second moto. Canard, JT, I think Canard fell in both motos. Not big ones, but little yep, tip-overs in he both was, motos. He was winning the first moto, and, uh, you know, first lap, rain, the track had just been rained on. Uh, so a little bit, I'm sure he was disappointed with that because, you know, his start struggles all Supercross mm-hmm. season, and then he nails the start and, and promptly throws it away, so... Uh, after all of the troubles he had during those motos, I, I would think he's probably not thrilled, but, you know, fifth overall, we'll take it and move on. Weege, what do you think of uh, Barsha's day? Well, uh, it was actually better. It wasn't great, but it somehow was actually better than Supercross. Somehow not even that great was mm-hmm. still representing a improvement in performance. It's a different scene like 6th and 16th in Supercross. Now, I did team kind of Every rider was gone, by the way, at the end of this race. Like, I think there was a 7 o'clock, like, southwest flight back to Southern California. So this entire podcast for me will be devoid of talking to any riders. They were all gone. Uh, but the team said they thought it was better than Supercross, but he did get some arm pump, but real arm pump, not just the excuse for a thumb injury <laughs> that they said was arm pump and Anaheim won. So, um I think once that once that gone once that's gone, they might have something. He might be okay. He started second or third in that second moto, Barsha, and got sixth. So that part probably wasn't greatest for those guys, but six is still a sixth, you know? Well, I think that arm pump thing, I mean if it if that is the case, you know, he actually kept Dungeon in sight for a little while. You know, he wasn't just getting yarded, uh, and then started fading back. So if that's the case, you know, like, hey, the first three or four laps were my normal laps and then everything else I was yeah. pumped up, then that is fairly encouraging. I mean, he, he stayed with them for a little bit, way better than Supercross when he was the 21st fastest guy a lot in practices and stuff. And uh, Marvin Muscan, I said in our preview podcast, I think we were all sleeping on him. He's going to look good. He's going to be good and, and blah, blah, blah. And I looked pretty smart for the first half of the first moto when Marvin moved up from, uh, let me see here, he was uh, sixth and he moved up into fourth. 
looking good. I would have been happy with that fourth. We would have been happy with that fourth, but then uh, he slipped back. He looked like he was having some problems with the goggles, and I don't know, he's looking around a little bit. Uh, talked to Roger after, I talked to Roger DeCosta after. I said, what's up with Marvin? And he basically said, yeah, Marvin was saying it was the bike or the wheels, and we just said everything was fine. <laughs> DeCosta is such a good interview. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, he's just like, yeah, yeah. yeah this, he needs, he's, this is the tough. This is a 450 class. It's a man's class. He needs to toughen up. <laughs> so, so Marvin, Marvin wasn't that good, JT. That wasn't a good ride for Marvin to go from fourth to ninth in the first moto, and then second moto kind of just ride around in seventh. Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't spectacular by any means. Like he was there. Like I felt like he had those guys right in front of him. You mm-hmm. know, the Canard Anderson battle. Mm-hmm. The Tomac um, Baggett battle went past him. Yeah, you know, like they kind of came through, and he had his chance to latch on, and and basically couldn't. So yeah, I don't think it was a an overwhelmingly good day. And I think that's kind of what we're going to see from Marvin this year. I think you know at the tracks he feels comfortable on. You're going to see him inside the top five, maybe battling for a podium. And then the tracks he's maybe not so good at. You're going to see him hovering in that six to eight. And I think it's just going to be week in and week out like that. You know, I, I just don't see him with the elite level to rise above that and be, you know, in that basically one through four week in and week out. I just think those guys are just too good on every situation to allow that to happen. I think, uh, did Anderson hit the gate in the first moto? He did. Yeah. He did, yeah. Somebody said that in their podium interview. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. that Anderson hit the gate. Uh, Roxon, so, maybe I think Roxon. Roxon said that. So he he went from 14th to sixth opening lap. So that's pretty good. And second little third. So maybe uh, maybe we're sleeping a bit on him. Maybe Anderson's gonna be a bit better than we thought. You know? Yeah, I had him. I had him pick fourth in my little mock picks there, uh, in fantasy and stuff. And and he got fourth. So um, he was uh, right about where I where I had him. I had he, he and Baggett in four or five, and I couldn't really decide who to put ahead of who. So both of those guys kind of delivered what I expected it you know I didn't think they would have the pace of um really Eli Kenny or Ryan uh, and he didn't but he was he was still solid got a good finish got good points and uh I think you know there will be weekends this year where he's on the podium for you know overall no doubt Weege how mad would Barsha have been if filthy Phil had passed him in that first moto Phil was stalking him catching him I know, and, uh, you know, we, we know in a general sense what the pay grade is for these two guys. Uh, Filthy being the third rider on a two-rider team, <laughs> and Barsha being a very highly paid. Would you say uh, there's probably a million dollars difference in a year between those two? I bet. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say at least ten times more pay, but, yeah, that's another way to look at it. Right. One, one million dollar <laughs> difference, and Nicoletti is right on Barsha at the end of the first moto. <laughs> Um, Phil was really good, man. Phil's and, uh, good, yeah. I, I did listen. I didn't realize when you talked to him after the race, he did have one off-track excursion. So he mixed in one little yeah. thing. No. But otherwise, solid. And in the second lap of the very first practice, he went off the track. He jumped wide on a one that drifted. The track kind of drifted to the right. Phil went straight, landed right on off the banners onto the hard pack. <laughs> there was somebody there. He would have killed him. So, Phil, Phil. <laughs> okay, so he still had a moment. Yeah, yeah. But 10th overall, that's good. That's good. Good job for Phil. Uh, Grant, too. Grant was solid, JT. 8-8 for ninth. Yeah, that, that was a good day. And, yeah. and on his social media, you know, he kind of alluded to that, basically saying, yep, I'll take that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Solid day. He looked fit. I didn't see the telltale uh, signs of him being tired. And really, more than anything, he's probably just 
amped for Glenn Helen. So yeah. I think for him to get through with a good day, no injuries, no setbacks, uh, everything's primed and ready for him to, he, you know, he's going for broke at, at Glen Helen. Everyone's going to. think of, he can, you know, uh, can, he, can he make the podium at Glen Helen? I think he will. It's going to be start dependent. Yeah. If he gets a whole shot like he did in 2014, I think he will absolutely be on the podium in, in at least one moto. Um, if he doesn't nail the start, then I think it's going to be a little bit tougher because I don't think he's going to go chase down Kenny or Ryan yeah. uh, at the front. I just don't see that happening. So um, um, by the end of the first lap, I could probably tell you if he'll make the podium or not. Bogle's, uh, Bogle's first moto was rough. Started right up there, and then he, he was probably like, oh, this is how fast these guys go. He rebounded Did nicely he crash in, the second in one of the motos. I don't think he said the... he hit his head in practice and uh, was struggling bad. <laughs> Probably not a good one to get a good start like that. No, no. He went back for sure that he crashed. Yeah, he... he was second. He was second on the start. And I thought he crashed for sure. Yeah, he. I don't think so. He just like went. No, he was getting past quickly. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Shorty did all right. First but, race uh, back. Andrew Short never never that great at Hangtown. Uh, so. That's good. He hasn't ridden in so long. His his second moto, JT, like, it was classic shorty. There was probably five dudes behind him that were faster, but he just kind of did the same speed for 30 minutes plus two and then got yep. it all. <laughs> yeah, I was, more than anything, like, the day went fine. He was out there. I was just happy to see Andrew with a smile on his face and, and back in the racing. It's, it's so evident to me how much he loves racing because all the Supercross season, the races he was at, it's not that he was, you know, upset. Like I don't, even, I don't think Andrew Short even gets upset, but he didn't have that spark, you know. That and you could just see it, him being back in that environment and what, you know, that's what he knows how to do is race motorcycles and and getting to do that again. He was like a different person, so I, I was happy for him more than anything. You know, forget about the results. It just was cool to see him back out there. Porcel had a rough day, Weege. He, he said in the team's press release, he said he was battling some injuries still from Supercross, but holy smoke, seventeen fifteen. Yeah, he must have been because we didn't even see any of the magic in practice. I think it was 14th fastest uh, in the final practice. Uh, if you don't even get that out of them, there must be an issue. I, I was wondering with him and a couple other guys uh, like Jesse Nelson in the 250s, I was trying to weigh the – did they get a head start because they were out of Supercross and they were just motoring down, or were they legitimately hurt so bad that it actually hurt them? Uh, so in his case, clearly. I mean, you know at least in practice you're going to get something good from him if he's 100%. So he must have had some problems. And Tickle had a rough day, too. 14, 18, he no, wasn't so good. Pike crashed out in the first moto. He I was, guess it was a good one. Tickle actually rode really well, but he was literally in last place at one time. So I think his his riding wasn't very indicative of um, what his results were. I, I thought he actually rode really well. Just watching him lap after lap, he was blowing past people. But, you know, if you start, you know, 38th at the end of two laps or whatever, it's uh, it's going to be a long day no matter what. Yeah, I wonder how much his wrist was bugging him, too. It didn't look like it, man. He was really aggressive watching. I, I was just watching the lines he was choosing, and he was going. He was passing people quickly. Like, he came up on shorty and was like, yeah, get out of my way. Uh, I mean, he was just wasting no time with, with you know, quality-level guys. So Second- I, I actually – thought his day was okay if you just took the results off and just studied his riding he actually was pretty good second moto he was 25th that's the furthest back i could see first moto furthest back he was was 24th uh so and he went forward yeah both motos right um all right uh what else uh from from 450s uh let me take a look uh cody cooper was back 
Cody Cooper yeah. was back. Oh, man, 1916 on the day. Good job by him. He's going to race Glen Helen, too. So Shane King's helping him out. Um, Freddie Norn, 13th first moto, second moto, crashed. Lost the head pipe in the crowd, wants it he's back. Doing, he's doing well with second moto, too. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yep. Yeah, he's solid, man. I've watched yeah, him. Yeah, he was good. I watched him a ton, like, just because X-Band goggle stuff back in the day, and the guy is—he's in shape. He can—I don't think he's not. He doesn't have blazing speed, but he can do thirty, uh, no problem. You know, in shape, same speeds. You know, so I thought he was pretty good. I mean, he—he yeah. he was right behind. Um, who was he right behind the first moto? He was uh, Bogle. Bogle. He was just hounding Bogle. Yeah. The entire second half of the moto, um, and you could tell he was. <laughs> He was feeling it and fit, and Bogle was, you know, as he said, he was his head was kind of iffy. Uh, Bogle didn't look he wanted to be out there at all, so it was kind of fun watching those two different perspectives on the track because, you know, Norn was wanting to pass Bogle just because of, yeah. you know, he's Justin Bogle, so it was pretty cool to watch. Chisholm came back. wasn't a good day for him, but he knew it was. He doesn't have much time on his bike. His shoulder's pretty weak still, but he wants to keep racing to just try to get better. So um, hopefully he gets better here shortly. We talk about Stu. That's why I'm I'm ending I'm ending the four fifties with Stu. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure we talk about Stu. Uh, let's talk about Stu now. No, no, keep going. If no, you got more, I didn't no, know. I think I that's about it. Sure that's about it. Um, okay. Stu. His hand came off. I guess he flew over the berm after the mechanics area. I started watching the GoPro of the crash. It was ugly, and they said he's day to day, Weege. On the uh, I know what day to day. I mean, his shoulder was out. I mean, I heard it took a while to even get it back in. Like I'm just separated shoulders are one thing. Separated does not mean your shoulder comes out. You know, it means your collarbone separates and doesn't. I think all of us have probably dealt with it. It's like you can somewhat deal depending on the severity. But dislocated, I just don't see how that's possible in seven days. Like it always comes back out. <clears throat> um, but you know what? Do we even care about the day-to-day thing? Is that really the topic here? Is him racing Glen Helen really the issue? It's a bigger picture than that. We, it's a much bigger story than just we, racing this weekend. We just really wanted to log in two motos. Finish wherever. Finish wherever. And if you ask me, 7 to 10 is what he can do after 230s. But it can't happen. Like, this no. is this is... Beyond panic button, this is – it's unbelievable. Unbelievable that – you know, I, I don't know if his hand came off. That's just the word on the street, and it was a good crash. And I don't know. I, I don't know. What, I, what What do you do? Do you retire? That's what surprised me. I mean, immediately, as soon as that crash happened and he was getting carted off, I mean, my Twitter just starts blowing up with, I think it's time to call it a career, it's time to call it quits. Yeah, as polarizing as he's been, I think at this point, no one is pumped seeing him just keep taking this punishment. Oh, no, people are uh, pumped. Oh, no, 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 people are pumped. Oh, you did get some people that are pumped. Ah, no, no, people love to hate Stu, and for some, some for good reasons, some things that he's brought upon himself, but uh, yeah, people love it. I, I understand that, but I didn't think it was at the point now where the 15th consecutive mule ride on it with Astros crew, like people are still cheering for this. You know, it, it beca- it's become so such a tragic hero thing. I thought everybody's like, geez, okay, maybe not. But anyway, 
I, the amount of people are like, I think he needs to call it quits, you know, just from fans and whatnot. To hear that in this press release says, like, in three different ways, I'm not giving up, I'm not quitting. Hopefully I can even race this weekend. It's just, like, but how does it get better? I mean, I'll be honest with Why you. Why won't this happen again? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. There were times when when Stu had misfortune. I was. It made me happy. There were there were those times. That was those were years ago. But there were those times. I didn't really care for Stu. We had our run-ins. He was rivals with my one of my good friends, obviously, and Chad Reed. I can honestly say that I'm done. I'm I'm done with those days. Like I genuinely felt bad for Stu. And I have the, every misfortune he's had over the past year, so I feel bad. I'm done. Like I, I've had, I've had my fill of my own selfish, you know, joy at his trouble. Uh, it's just painful at this point, man. Like, how much can one person possibly take? That, that's really the question I want someone to answer. And, and I, I guess it's not enough yet because he's, you know, as you're, as the point you're making, Weege, is that he's his first, re, you know, response is, "I'll be back right away." You know, like. When does when is enough enough? You know, I, he can't just keep going like this. Every time you go out there, something tragic happens. Like that just can't go on much longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think at this point, I, I clearly he must have been trying to just finish the moto without crashing. Like you can't even say, okay, when you come back this time, just try to get through it. That's already what he was trying to do, and it didn't work. And the point that sums it all up to me when I was talking to Mike Webb after the race. In fact, I even named our group text thread after this. He said, we were good. We just wanted him to take the 14th. And I just heard that. And it was so jarring. I'm like, this is where we're at with James Stewart. Just take the 14th place. And even that couldn't be done. Like, he, you t- could have told me 10 years ago a million things were going to happen, but that would have been <laughs> the one I probably would have believed the least, that someday James Stewart would just be hoping to finish 14th, and that would be good. Until the crash, he looked okay. He looked like he's just riding around. Just, there was no flashes of brilliance. It was just a guy putting in laps, and that's fine. We were taking the 14th. So. Yeah. I was watching the motos with RV, that first 450 motos. I was watching, he was there, and I was watching it with him, and he was just like, what, what is up with this guy? What is up with him? Look at him. Look at him. He's like, what? He can't finish, and I'm like, no, he can't finish. He, he can't. He cannot finish. It's it's something's going on in James's head. He can't finish races. Like that, no one crashed. Then that no one crashed there. That's not a move. Flying off the berm. That's pretty tall with a with a damn good backside on it. Jeez, that's probably six eight feet tall, JT. Maybe ten. Um. Yeah. Like, like I mean, uh, nobody. I'm a fan of damn good backsides, but I don't. Think it was, that was really where you're going with that? Nobody crashed there. I've never seen anybody crash there, but Stu did, and it was a bad spot. He couldn't just wash the front end out. He had to fly off a berm that was six and eight feet tall. I, this is just a yeah. indication of when it rains, it pours. I don't know, man. Yeah, like I don't know. How's this going to get any better? I guess we talked about it a little bit in our preview, but it's unbelievable that he can't finish right now. And, and just like RV was saying. I don't understand. I just, why can't you just get 14th? Why can't you just get 14th? You can't. So, not good. All right, let's. Things, uh, are, things are not well over there. No, that's sure. no, no. And then back at breaking his collarbone, like poor Mike Webb. Jeez. Yeah, and I'll throw one other thing on there. Um, you know, we've heard 
scuttlebutt that, that Stu's trying to get the bike right, and you know he switched from Air Force to Spring Forks, and thought that was helping. He's basically trying to get the bike figured out, and we can debate as we, I'm sure, will in the future. It, is it set up? Does that matter? Blah blah blah. But meanwhile, in the first moto where he crashes out. Suzuki's go one and three. So I know every rider's different, and that doesn't necessarily apply, but it's just not a good look, you know. No. You're trying to sort the bike out. That's so bad that it just dominated the first moto. That's just it. Yeah, I've, I've never thought for one second, JT's going to chime in, I've never thought for one second the Suzuki's an old platform, but it, it, it ain't holding him back. It's nothing, you know, so. By the way. I don't, I mean, look at Roxon. I don't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. yeah, no, and I'm just reiterating the point is that you know, how it, for every person that's going to say, you know, and side with Stu over there, which I'm sure everyone is, that's all I would have to say back is look at Roxon. You know, there there should be nothing that Roxon has or is doing that they can't figure out or, or possibly get. So whether the bike is behind or not is a different argument, but it's obviously capable of still doing well. Thank you. And that was all my point was in our group text that we were yelling at each other a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, and I'm, all I'm saying is I do think the bike is a bit behind the other bikes on production level, but clearly Roxon made you know the point that it can still win. So It, it ain't holding them back. It ain't holding anybody back. Uh, well, I, I would argue that maybe on a better bike you could do even better, but to your point, it still was able to win this weekend. Um. All right, let's take a commercial break. We'll talk some 250s here um, on the RacerXOnline.com podcast uh, presented by Fox Racing. Listen to this commercial from Racetech. Use the code PULPAMEX16 to save yourself money with there. And as well, Michelin, Michelin Starcross 5. Brand new tire out from the folks at Michelin. So uh, listen to this pod, listen to this commercial. And uh, don't fast forward. Do not fast forward. And uh, we'll be right back here to discuss uh, the 250MX class. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, and probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to PulpMX2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com, and they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. 
people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come in the corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension and tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelins uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out at the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back. Don't fast forward. I hope you didn't. How much people? How many people do you think fast forward? Ninety percent? Ninety-five percent? No comment. Um, yeah. No comment. No. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I would never think of our advertisers. Thing. I would probably not answer. That. Well, that's why yeah. I put. That's why I put yeah. it in beforehand. That's right. Okay. Um, Two fifty class. So we talked a little bit of Savachi. Um, so, yeah, he was good, and he was in shape. Like I said, he didn't have a blazing fast lap in that second moto. Uh, let's talk J-Mart first. Pretty su- I was pretty surprised, um, and you can tell me, JT, what you think. That he, Okay, so he falls in the second moto. That happens. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what, what, what position he was when he fell in that lap. Uh, he, was, uh, he was fifth. Okay, so he was fifth. He fell in the f- in the in the second moto. He fell uh, nine laps out of right. Fell ninth lap out of fifteen. Yeah, he hit hit Forkner. Okay, the I was really surprised that he couldn't um, get any better up from ninth. Like he kind of that fall, and you're like, okay, big deal. You fell. You're Jeremy Martin. Kind of just rode around after that. And it wasn't a great hangtown. For J Mart. No way, no how. That third in the first moto, he had to work on a guy that his teammate who hadn't been riding at all from the wrist injury, and we'll talk about Webb, but not a great hangtown for J Mart. No. And I, I wonder, and I didn't see because I'm not sure if you guys did, but was there something wrong with him or the bike after that crash? Because that, that was the feeling I got is something had to be off because he just didn't look anything, you know, good after that. He just mm-hmm. couldn't move forward, he couldn't do much, his times yeah. were off. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I would be curious to see if something happened. Ben is bars a lever break. You know, something may have been yeah. a miss after that crash. Yeah, it was uh, not a great day. And uh, how about Cooper Webb? He hadn't ridden. He'd ridden like one time since Vegas. And yeah, it was impressive, dude. Right? 
That was yeah, really, really, good. really impressive. And uh, um, he's got made he's, us look stupid because I didn't think that was going to be possible from him. I really didn't. Weech, pretty impressive, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't even know how it's possible. Okay, the wrist. If I'm talking to him, I'm talking to his trainer, Darius Swanepoel. I guess it's not an issue as far as you know. Is he even going to be able to do the motos? They were pretty confident the wrist would be okay. But just the mere fact that he had not ridden at all, you would think even if he didn't have any pain in the wrist, it would slow him up a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He told me he was a little concerned that maybe that maybe he'd get some blisters and stuff because he's basically ridden, you know, not at all for about five or six weeks. But even I guess that wasn't an issue. The whole goal, right, would you would think, say, just don't lose too many points to J-Mart. Well, instead, he scored more than J-Mart. It's phenomenal. He rode great, man. Good job by him. And like yeah. you said, JT, he made us look dumb because he's – you know, got this wrist injury that you think has just got to hurt like hell. He's, he can't ride again this week, I guess. And um, they just got to see. He was going to the doctor to see if he did any further damage, and then we'll see. But he really wants this title. And, yeah, I guess we can all believe well, that. Yeah, now. I mean, that's, that's obvious. <laughs> he only had one reason to stick this thing out and go through all the pain that he's going to go through, and that's because he thinks he can win. You know, otherwise there's really no reason to be out there. Dude, he's got a deal. Yeah, and he's, he's moving up and all making, that. Making fat money. Take the summer off and uh, go wakeboarding and, and, and pick up chicks all summer. There's I don't a move. think you would go wakeboarding if he got his you know surgery on his wrist. Yeah, but. yeah wakeboarding, bro. Um, but I, no, yeah. I, I think you make a great point. Is the only reason for him to be out there is that he wants to win this thing really, really badly. So, well, I think you know uh, they all tell us that they want to, and we all go, okay, all right, we believe it. But this is foolproof, you know. So, yeah, he has just, everything, yeah. everything pointing at, hey, man, just go get this thing fixed and come out, come out, you know, ready for Monster Cup or whatever. And he's not doing that. So yeah, I think actions speak louder than words. Really, you know, the same point you're making. Uh, Amart, Amart, <laughs> wow, eight two for second overall. Are you uh, sure that Jeremy didn't grab Alex's bike in that second moto? I don't know. Like maybe they got on the wrong bikes or something. Have put the wrong jerseys on. Something happened. I think. Well, they have the same bikes. They're on the same team. But that's what I'm saying. Um, like it, maybe Jeremy got on Alex's bike. Oh, that's really Jeremy Martin who went eight two. Yes. Ah yes, wow. The other the other brother went three nine, so they actually were pretty close. Um, well, but just in that second moto, it was kind of a J Mark type ride. You know, you I pass thought, your brother at some point, <laughs> then you race down the leaders, and then you know whatever. It was just much more of a Jeremy ride than Alex ride, which I, you know Alex would probably be very upset to hear. But that's what it looked like. I thought he was going to win. I thought he was going to win. Yes, I, I, Alex Martin could not be stopped. Why again? He was going to the front. You know when Alex Martin has you in your clutches. It doesn't. No leader is safe. He's going to hunt you down. <laughs> it's a patented Amart charge to the front. We've seen it once. We've seen it a hundred times. Yeah. You know? I mean, once Savaki got the lead from uh, Nelson and started pulling away, you're like, okay, well, he won the first moto. He's got this. But then you're right. Like, the last couple laps, I'm like, he's getting closer and closer and closer. Wait a minute. He might win. Like, it just seemed like a foregone conclusion five minutes ago that Savaki was going to win. And then all of a sudden, it was like, they didn't tell Amart that. They didn't give him the script. <laughs> no one. Well, Amart was <laughs> go ahead. Amart was going a full second a lap faster at one point there when he was catching him. So yeah. I, I really expected him to just come up and go by him and go yeah. on with it and win it. But yeah, he started uh, sixth, so he charged up the second. Um, and like, yeah, see, see you hey, later. Mark. Like, hey, Jeremy Martin, see you later. Gotta go, bro. Yeah. Yep. You know. Uh, Amart did mention in the press conference that 
J-Mark had a cold and was under the weather. And if you listen to Jeremy's interview uh, from the first moto on the podium on TV, he sounds it. Now, oddly, of course, I was over talking to J-Mark and his mechanic before the races, and there was no mention of this at all. Everything was awesome. Mechanic's like, yep, second or two a lot faster than everybody. Every time we go riding during the week, just like the last two years, no problems. Everything's good. Uh, but that's how the, all these guys do it, right? They never tell you until after the fact. So I think Jeremy was sick. When you talk to when you talk to Alex and you talk to Phil, because you always have, when you talk to one, the other one's always around. But um, like switching off J Mart's program, which was Osho, getting with Swanepoel, and in a sense doing less than he was with Osho has really made the difference. He just he he couldn't. I, and again, it's not being. You know, like it's not like you're a baby. You just couldn't do. He felt run down and couldn't necessarily do J Mart's program, and that's the way it is. It's not a bad thing. And his new training program, where I think he's doing a bit less, is working a whole lot better for A Mart. Clearly, so. And even in the first moto, he, he, he got eighth, but he was good. He, what, yeah, where did he come from? Like how? Yeah, twelfth. He was twelfth. Surprising to change the second moto. Yeah, he was twelfth. Yeah. Twelfth uh, on the first lap, so he was still good. Yeah. He actually told me with uh, the new program, he said he's uh, gone to the gym and lifting weights for the first time pretty much ever. He said only ever, ever, ever done was cardio. So he feels like he might have missed something the last couple of years. Um, so Amar, uh, hey, one other thing you got to mention is you got to mention the takeout. Yeah, Amart on to Jordan Smith. Jordan Smith was great. He was awesome. Second, the first moto, like no one had that. Uh, not even Jordan Smith's mom and dad thought he would come out and just take take a second, hold off J Mart, hold off you know uh, Webb and all these guys, um, and he got second. And the and the second moto he did get past a bit, but Amart took him out, which Amart claims that's the first rider he's ever taken out in his life, and he apologized to Jordan. Jordan Smith's not so pumped, but <laughs> yeah. Have any, has any have, yeah, have either of you seen sure. the takeout? Yeah. I saw photos. Yeah, we got photos. Okay. Davy Coombs. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I think Davy's whole purpose of the Nationals is just to take iPhone photos. That's all. <laughs> now, Davy, the concessions are on fire. Ah, let them burn. I got my. I got to get my spot on the hill. But um, he loves he loves signs and iPhone photos. Davy's got great photos of it. And yeah, Amart. Well, Amart admitted that he took him out. Like he didn't mean to. He just kind of did. He had a. It was a little uh, section off camera section. He had the inside line. So. Um, yeah, Jordan Smith was good though. Like he would have gotten, he would have went two five ish, two four ish, two five ish for second overall, had he not crashed sure. with Amart. You know, Amart can't stop him from winning and Dirty Rider, two things absolutely everybody knows in the pits. Um, how about you know who else was good that we I kind of thought was good on the we did our fantasy podcast, uh, but you were not so sure about. Um, it was Hampshire. Hampshire was good. I mean, he had a big crash. Sure. But yeah, he, he was good. Yep. He was all over Jeremy Martin in that first moto. Yep, fifth place. Um, second moto, he went down in the first turn, got his arm sucked into his back tire. Um, Those guys I had picked as uh, the two guys I thought would disappoint this year. And, man, that was bad, that first moto. I mean, they were really good. <laughs> you did say that. Did. Yeah. I did. I just, I mean, that class is tough. I yeah. mean, I know that they're capable of doing well. Right. But, uh you look at the results, unfortunately, they're right back where they usually are with one good moto and one bad moto. <laughs> That's a good but, point. Uh, yeah. But it was different this time. I mean, yeah. they both 
should have had two nah. locomotives. They rode great. We each stick to stick to the stick to your guns. One good, one bad. See, look, told you, told everybody. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, Dude, I can't say the guy's disappointment when he gets second in the first mode. He or it's over at that point. Hey, Plessinger went fourteen to ninth and twelfth to third. Third. In the in both motos, so he was good, and Star Star Yamaha, uh, two, three, four, and five overall. Good job Strong. by those guys. Yeah, great job. Um, Cincerillo, Forkner, first Forkner. Forkner. Yeah, Charbonneau. The Geico guys weren't even pumped on Charbonneau, and, and they they rides for them. Not that they weren't they weren't pumped, pumped on them. Well, they were not that they weren't pumped on them before the season. I said, like, what, I, you know me. I don't follow these amateurs. They're all dumb. I, don't, I can't. I can't keep track of them. They're so, all dumb. He says, "Wow." Right. Yeah. 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 It's dumb. I, I, amateur motocross is out of control, out of hand, and stupid. And okay, so those guys are like, "Yeah, like we're putting them on our team." You know, Mookie's out, and you know it's a learning season. We'll see how he can do. We'll see what he does. Like he's got, you know, he's okay. Um, Weed, you know a little bit more from the amateur days. He was never like a guy. He was good. He wasn't a guy. He wasn't yeah. he wasn't Sexton or, or Forkner ish, you know? Um mm-hmm. but dude, the guy got six first moto. We're great. He did. Yeah. Um we'll see. These first races though, man, they're just all over the map. You know, sometimes yeah. it's a no, sign of things to come. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. But he did ride good. Can't um, deny that. And Forkner, I thought, was good too, JT. I thought um he fell in the first moto when he was about six or seven. Uh, somewhere around there, I think, and he ended up seventh in the second moto. So, yeah, he was a five to ten place guy, which is fine. Yeah, he, yeah, right. And he was pretty good. And I, I thought it was going to kind of go that way. His second moto was better than the first. Uh, and I, I just wanted people to keep their expectations in check because, like I said in in our you know preview, I'd seen him ride a few times. He's good. He's very very good. But I didn't think that he was as good as the guys that were going to win this championship. I just didn't see that from him yet. Supercross, I think, will be a different story. I think, you know, winding up whichever coast he chooses, he may go out and win his first race. I really could see that happening. But outdoors, I just thought, you know, it was a good start. It was um, something that, you know, I don't think Mitch would be really bummed. But I don't think it was, you know, I, I guarantee you there were people out there that were like, Forkner's going to come win. He's going to come in and show everyone. Do you and think there really was? There really was yeah. those people? Yes. There were. Okay. Uh, because I, I heard those people at, like, Daytona, at Mini Olympics, like, oh, he's going to crush everyone at Hangtown. You guys watch. And I'm like, eh, I don't think so. And, you know, so it, it was interesting to see that all play out. And he, we kind of got what I expected from him. Really, really good. Just to touch off the, the winner's pace. Uh, but he probably learned a ton on Saturday, just like Charbonneau did. Let me ask you this, Weege. Is, is, is Alex Martin, is this for real? Like, is this what we're – I'm not saying he's going to win the national title, but are we going to see Amart a top-five dude every weekend? I think in this class, especially the first round, you always have to be careful in the first round to make any judgments. And uh, also I think that – I think the fact that the track was prepped a little different than most of the nationals will be makes it even harder. And this class is so deep, I don't want to really jump to any conclusions on anybody. Okay. Um, right. But, I mean, can he do it? Yeah, I don't see why he can't do what he just did, but I don't think he can necessarily take it as right. any proof of anything. Um, Adam, Adam Cincerello cost me $100, so I'm very, very bitter. Betting two industry people, $50 each, that Adam would be in the top six overall. Qualified second, so we were looking good. 
uh, unfortunately starts first lap first lap positions of 21 and 18 kind of did us in and there goes my hundred dollars and these other guys are mocking me on text as as short of two minutes ago so um really like one thing hey something to think about and i, I wrote this in my column coming out on wednesday like uh jt he's big he's a big dude Perhaps starts could be an issue for him all season long. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, some of the fly racing people, you know, hadn't been to many races or any races all all year long. And uh, with our sponsorship for the outdoors, we were there. So when we were getting onto our rental car shuttle, everyone had come in from the SoCal Southwest flight that you guys were alluding to leaving. So where everyone's in the rental car shuttle line together, and. Uh, Somebody, I said something about, you know, um, Cinderella being so tall. And when you could look down the line, and he was like the tall person in the line. Like there was a bunch of people my height, it was A-Mart, J-Mart, all these people. And then there was Adam, like the, the odd man out, like 6'1 or 6'2 or whatever he is now. And I, they couldn't believe it was Adam Cinderella. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just tall now. So I do think the starts are going to be critical. Yeah. Same as Aaron Plessinger. You know, both of those guys have their work cut out to be consistently at the front on the start. Yeah, 21 and 18 first lap positions. Wasn't going to be able to do much on this track. This track, again, like we talked about, it was easy to go fast. Not easy. This is all relative, people. But it was easy to go fast on, hard to make up time because everybody was – it was relatively smooth. So Adam, you know, I talked to him after the race. He wasn't around to get interviews, but we were texting. He said, yeah, man, I was pinned and I just couldn't make up time. Just could not make up time on anybody and bad starts. And that's how Mathis loses $100, just like that. <laughs> um, Christian Craig, dead last in the first moto to 15th. Second moto, uh, again, uh, 32nd to 8th. Christian Craig was the sleeper fast dude at Hangtown. Did you guys notice him? No, I never saw him. Literally. I, I, yeah, yeah you're, in a, you're in a trailer, so. I did yeah. notice him, but I didn't. Yeah, I mean, sleeper fast guy, I guess. 37 um, to 15, 32nd to 8th. Yeah, but that's not that great. I, oh, okay. I don't. Okay. Well, I, do you think 15 8 is good? Well, you just finished telling us how great Tickle was, and he went from 25th to 14th. Well, I didn't call him the sleeper guy of the day. Well, in this class. Sleeper in this class. fast guy. Sleeper fast guy. Christian Craig. I didn't call him. I didn't call Tickle that, so. You should have. Um,. Yeah, I mean, he he rode all right. He rode all right. I don't know what's Jeez. going on with the starts because normally that's Wait, did he crash? Crashed. Yep, crashed. Okay, because normally starts are his thing. So, um, um, a lot of these guys, Adam too. I really, really feel we're going to learn more about this class and the 450 class at Glen Helen than we did at Hangtown. Well, I was thinking though, JT Adam's life could be rougher at Glen Helen with those hills. Well, the track's going to be rougher, I can tell you that. And I think that's why we're going to learn more. You know, it's going to yeah. be – the temperatures are going to be in the 80s on Saturday. It's not going to be cold and windy and rock-hard track, and, you know, and rain and all these weirdo variables that we saw this weekend. So I think we're going to be on a rough track mm-hmm. that is going to really tell us more about where these guys, guys are as far as fitness and speed and, and just a much more realistic look at how this summer is going to go. Yeah, I, I I think that goes without saying. I I like to think it even goes further, JT, like High Point and Muddy Creek and the East Coast stuff. Now we're gonna see what's going on. California stuff, yeah, guys I, practice I would, on I all the agree. time. Yeah, guys, guys practice on California tracks all the time. They're kind of similar, you know. Um, we'll see more, I think, as we as we head out east. But that's not groundbreaking news. Um, 
Zach Osborne was good in that second moto. As Zach himself told us, we each hold on. Let me dig it up here. Uh, we were talking. We were making fun of Osborne. He said, um, uh, second moto, I had the fastest lap and fastest average from both classes." Just saying. And then he said he deserves everything we're going to give him for the first moto, which he stopped for, he stopped for goggles. Um, you know, a few guys stopped for goggles. Um, it was really raining there for a little bit. John Knowles, that's where he shines, of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, Osborne was I, I – ta- I pumped him up probably the most out of us three um, as far as being a guy, and I was happy. I think he, he showed something in that second moto. It's pretty good. He came from uh, 21st in that second moto to fourth. So, and again, as you reminded us of his lap times. So, but but I mean, you know, hey, yeah, it is what it is. It's still 11th overall at the end of the day, right, JT? It's still 11th. Yeah, that's that's the tough part. (laughs) You you can ride as great as you want, just like Christian Craig, but, you know, results are paramount. For people that didn't see, you know, if if you live your race day in a trailer like Weech does, you have no idea why that person got, you know, at 15.8 or or 11th overall or whatever the case is. So uh, you, you, know. you watch Christian Craig. You watch. I'm going to pull that line out. Oh, I'll watch. You watch. You watch. Who should panic? Yeah, I want to apologize. Speaking of being in the trailer, I just do want to apologize, to Jordan Smith, for two things. Because he started uh, second, really, in the first moto, and the first glance. I mean, he's 38. Craig's 39, and I just guessed. And I thought it was Craig. And then two turns later, I'm like, my apologies, not Craig. It's dude, Jordan Smith. The 38 and 39 have gotten me all year long. All year long, I've gotten yeah, dude. that. Yeah. I mean, identical <laughs> gear, and you know, you're know, you seeing them in a seat of 40 bikes, and I just thought it was Craig. And then uh, in the second moto, I didn't know. Like, uh, Smith was up there, and then he just disappeared. Like, we didn't have footage of him being knocked down by Amart. Uh, so I didn't know what happened. And I said, oh, he must have made a mistake, and this pack is closed, so... Just one little thing is enough to put you all the way back in the 15th, but I didn't realize it wasn't his fault. So my apologies to him twice. That's, That's okay. I was uh, danger run. I was <laughs> announcing. I was announcing, like I said, with Lurch and Greg White, and the number one star Yamaha rider got me a couple times, thinking it was Webb. <laughs> yeah. Right. That was I mean, an easy one. Yes. I mean, you saw it for five months. Yeah. He was number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely got me yeah, a couple speaking, times. Speaking on behalf of all Moto fans, Weege, we're just happy that you saw the start mm, and you called the yeah. start. Yeah, good job. Anything on that. past that is a win. Okay, so I guess I would have been better off not seeing it because then I wouldn't have called Christian Craig and uh, Jordan Smith incorrectly. <laughs> what happened again on Odette? Thirty-nine forty. Did you just crash out in the first turn in the first moto or something, and that was it? Call it a day. Uh, I don't know. Jesus rings a bell. I think he was down. Yes, in the first moto, it was, they, they red flag restarted the second moto. But I believe yes. in the first moto, early there was a red cross flag, and that was for him. That was for him? Okay. Um, um, yeah. Who should panic more, Justin Hill, Arno Tonis, or Marty? Weege? It's early. We're not going to panic button, but who's approaching panic territory? Uh, Hill. Uh, because at least he had the potential. Okay. Whereas... Uh, is Marty expecting much more than this? Like this is Marty, right? This is Marty being Marty. Started seventh in both mo- in both motos. Started seventh place. Marty did. Yep. And what did he finish? Twenty four, thirty five. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know if Marty. Marty hasn't ever done much outdoors, so I don't know if it's like, man, I just blew my title shot. <laughs> uh, and Tonus, I'm now realizing Tonus 
is in such poor health, unfortunately. Have you ever just walked by and just saw him at the Pro Circuit truck? Well, I was actually hanging out in the lounge with Savachi, Adam, and Tonis before the motos. <laughs> I was chilling in the, in the Pro Circuit lounge. If you notice, most of the time, that's what Tonis is doing, either in a lounge or in a chair under the tent. He's just sitting down looking exhausted and tired did, did, all the time. <laughs> like, he just looks like he needs a nap does all he, the time. This might, sound a, this might sound like a dumb question, but does he understand English really well? Speak it? I've never heard him talk. I've never heard him speak. No, he's good. He's, 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 he's a nice guy and everything. But, dude, you talk to him and you're like, go take a nap. He just seems so lethargic and tired. And I never see him standing up. Yeah. He's always sitting in a chair. Uh, he's got issues, man. So what I'm saying is I think Hill would be a guy that's like, man, I thought I'd be good. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do good, and I didn't. The other two, I think, they have their issues. Marty is Marty, and Tonus has a illness, clearly. <laughs> Marty is Marty, and Tonus is Tonus. Um, yeah. Did, well, did you yeah. not feel like, JT, that there was some undercurrent, a slight dusting, a light breeze of Tonus hype? <sighs> a little bit. Okay, and I actually had you. him on my fantasy Thank team. you. That's what I was saying. There, yeah, there was but... this undercurrent mist. A light, like like those when you're eating dinner at an at a outdoor patio and the misters are on? Mm-hmm. A little bit of that floating over you. Yes, that, that mist was was just uh, completely shut off very early in that first moto. Mm-hmm. And I was punching myself in the nuts for putting Tonus on my team. Right. As I saw him moving backwards. He was in like 16th and moving backwards. Yeah. Yeah, very unhappy. Uh, Alex, with myself and with Arnold, with the country of Switzerland, basically the whole deal. I didn't even like chocolate at that point. I was going to ask Peyton about him, and I I chose not to. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna, not going to open that door. Uh, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, yeah. all I'm saying, he's got some sort of physical problem. And you know, you come over to the United States. I'm sure coming from Switzerland, that was amazing that you managed to pull all that off, and your career went well enough to get a shot at pro circuit. And he just has no chance, I think, of making it work, which is just unfortunate. Um, Alex Fry's 10th in the first moto was eye-opening. I didn't think Fry could finish that high. Good job. Good job for Alex Fry. He rode well. He yeah. actually pulled away from AC. It was, it was impressive to watch. Um, and Garrett Stanky was on a, 120, on a 125, two-stroke. Yeah. Out there. You like him, man. That's your guy. I like Stank Dog. Stank Dog's awesome. How do you feel about the program, though? The two-stroke. Yeah, it's so dumb. Knife to a gunfight. So dumb. Like, just (laughs) ridiculous. This is where the 75% pulp will be coming in (laughs) on Saturday. We just want 75. That's all we want. (laughs) We don't want you to say he's dumb. We just want you to say it's probably not a good idea. Ah, It's ridiculous. So, all right. Um... Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're just some two-stroke kook who's just so pump, happy to see them out there. Like, <laughs> this is 75% pulp like, again. Good job, everyone. Like, that's awesome. Hope you're happy. Stank dogs out there getting just eating just dirt nonstop and, and, you know, riding around, and you're cheering them on. Good job. Some two-stroke kook is a good way to get your house burned down if someone on Vital knows where you live. <sighs> I, don't, I don't care. Okay. Uh, anything else, Weege? I was going to mention that Safaji, by the way, everyone else was inconsistent. He has a 15-point lead. That's true. Yeah, Amar goes 8-2, right, for, for second. Yeah. It has to be, and people are trying to figure this out, and the, we've found a hole in the Racer X vault where it doesn't have motos for 
No, I know. Trust me. Prior Trust to me. I don't even understand that. I'm so bitter about that because I've gone in there a few times to look, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so we're trying to figure out what the problem is and how to fix it. But in the meantime, at least 97 to now, I don't think anyone's ever had that big a points lead after one round. Really? Huh? That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would have. I guess, yeah, I guess why yeah. not, right? Yeah. So um, Kelly, like 99, when he had that crazy moto at Glen Helen, I think was maybe the same or close or something, but 15 yeah. points in one race. I mean, it's only one race and all, but I mean, that's that counts for something. 15 points is solid. I mean, the. the the, the, does the Hangtown, does it change your mind on a title guy? Like, is Savachi now a title favorite for either one of you guys? I mean, not for me. It's still too early, but he wrote terrific, but, you know, what, it doesn't change anything. I don't know. Yeah. I remember after Anaheim won, one of us was saying that Anderson could turn into Jeremy McGrath. So. I think I was an idiot. Who said that? <laughs> you have to be careful after round one, that's all. I mean, Joey's good. None yeah. of us are... I don't want any of the haters to say, you didn't believe in him. Like, we all knew he'd be good. That's all. It's working with Carmichael, bro. Carmichael. Yeah. The GOAT says it yeah. doesn't start until Glenn Helen. So. That's uh, right. All right. Um, okay. Uh, Racer X Online podcast. Uh, Hangtown MX Review. Jason Thomas and uh, Jason Wygant will be back next week to uh, talk about Glenn Helen and, uh, and much more. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks. See you. See you. See you. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse. You know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. 
I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.